Want to learn how to survive a communist takeover? Keep listening. Are you an entrepreneur who's looking for motivation, strategy, and tactical guidance on taking your business to the next level? Do you like surrounding yourself with action takers who know what it takes to win? If so, you're in the right place. My name is Josh Thomas, and I'm your host. Join me as I speak with some of the greatest business minds on the planet. Welcome to the Do Zone. Continuous improvement is better than delayed perfection. Mark Twain. DC Tribe, Josh Thomas, glad to have you. Be sure to follow and subscribe on Apple and or Spotify. This podcast is brought to you by Unbreakable Teams. We use a science-backed process to triple your company's productivity without additional costs so you can buy back your time. To learn more about how we can help you dominate the next 12 months, head over to unbreakableteams.com. Once again, that's unbreakableteams.com. Today's guest is Alejandro Cita. He is a California and Florida mortgage broker for artists, business owners, and self-employed professionals. He shares the challenges that these borrowers face and how they can be overcome. Alejandro, welcome to the Do Zone. Say what's up to the tribe and tell us something you believe is the key to getting stuff done that most people wouldn't think of. Hi, Josh. Thanks so much for having me uh, in your podcast. I would say that as a business owner, you're always like um, swamped with to-do things, and many of them are urgent. I would say just pick the ones that only you can do mm. and try to find someone that you can trust to do the other ones. That sounds simple. I know a any business book says that. And I know that to do it is hard, but if you achieve, if you just work on doing that, then you will succeed quicker. Still, it's going to take you time. I mean, this is not a walk in the park. Still might take you years, but like you said on your website, it's going to be improvement after improvement after improvement. You're going to feel it. You're going to feel and see that you're going in the right direction. That's right. And, you know, you mentioned that, you know, any business book will tell you that any entrepreneur, mentor, or coach will tell you that, but you know, we still need to hear it. And sometimes we just need to hear it, uh, said in a different way from a different angle or at just the right time. And that's one thing that I've learned, Alejandro, I want to ask, get your opinion on this. It seems to me that when I'm ready to learn a lesson, I'll receive it. Yes. When, when I'm not ready to learn that lesson. I'll reject it. Thoughts on that? I completely agree with you. When you're not ready, the lesson, the the the, the actual the actual deal or, or or the or the opportunity is in front of you. It's laying there bare, bare naked for you to take it. Pardon the pun, but you don't. You don't even see it. Hmm. You know. Now, I come from a from a from a background of university of studying of books. You know, I love to read. You know. I'm good at studying, I'm good at writing, I'm good at all that. But just doing, like you said, you know, on your podcast, on your other guests, what just doing the action, going out there, talking to people, trying to do what you read, trying to do what the coach is telling you, it's a whole different story. And you learn by doing. And like Robert, 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 Robert Kiyosaki in one of his books says something that 
I read it and I go, wow, this is amazing. He said that Rich Dad told him that he needed to fail faster. Hmm. Needed to fail faster because then he was going to know and he was going to build his skill set quicker. And that is, he's completely right. I can tell you that most of the good things that I can do today are learned because I failed at them many, many times. You know, you, you mentioned something important here about failing faster. I think there's a fine line where we need to understand, okay, when am I failing? So when do I walk away? If I'm going to fail, when do I decide that I fail? And, and that's something that I think a lot of people miss. It's failing fast is about, I want to get that feedback so that I can learn the lesson and get it better. But it doesn't necessarily mean, well, I failed, I give up. But sometimes it does. And so it's kind of like this gooey area. And so taking that lesson to heart, fail faster. Can you tell us, for, for those of us who are looking for something a little more concrete, when do we consider a failure and how, what do we do with that failure? You know, <clears throat> I will refer to your bio. You said that you, you, you initially in your career became a real estate agent and that it was really, uh, really heartbreaking for you. And you realized that this was not an easy job. So I would like to start there because that was my situation too. I came from marketing. I came into, the, the, into the financial picture and I had to get a real estate license in order to do loans. This was back in 2005, 2006. And real estate really is a profession that you have to do many things right just to be able to close one deal that may be able to pay some bills. I'm not talking about becoming rich or wealthy or millionaire. I'm just talking, just surviving, just to survive in real estate. You need to be really good at communication, at writing, at reading, at interpreting people, and knowing when to press and when not to press, calculating a value, uh, researching potential legal problems on title, and oh, I could go on and on and on and on. So uh, you can fail miserably in any one of those and never really sell one house or help one buyer by one home. So this is what I would call the ultimate failure for me. I'm on the phone. I'm talking to this prospect. The prospect has already agreed. In this case, I'm gonna talk about a loan, but I can tell you that doing a loan is very similar in terms of challenges as to selling a house or buying a house uh, for a client. So I'm doing this loan. The buyer has already agreed. The buyer, I mean, the, the borrower, by the way, he's a high net worth individual. So technically speaking, he doesn't really need a loan. He needs it, but not really to pay bills. He needs it to, to forward his business plan. So I'm, here, I'm with him on the phone. This is a loan in the millions. This is many years ago. And he is upset about something that is $18.56. <laughs> so he's trying to force me that I will take that as a pay cut. And don't get me wrong. Of course, 1856, I would have taken it as a pay cut, but this was more than that. This was like the fifth or sixth time that he brought about an item like this. And this is what happens. Every time you say yes, the client controls you. Mm. There is a point where you have to control the client. This is a transaction that I needed to pay my rent, by the way. So this was not just a light thing. 
He didn't need it. I needed it. Hmm. He had me on a corner. He went on and on and on. And I simply did not budge. And then I hung up the phone. And then I thought, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. Um, I'm not going to get the loan. But so what? I'll figure something out. But it felt really bad. Now on the podcast, it sounds cool. But at the time when I was experiencing it, it was really shitty. Okay? So he was so sure he had me on the spot, which he did. And he was so sure that I did not have any other option but to grant him the 18 bucks or whatever it was that he signed. I didn't know that. The next day, next morning, I get a call from the escrow agent and he said, okay, your borrower signed. What do you want to do now? I thought, wow, that's amazing. Fund the loan. (laughs) The loan closes. He calls me up on the phone and he says, where is my 20 bucks? And I said, what are you talking about? Yeah, the ones that you agreed to. I said, I never agreed to. (laughs) (laughs) But what I'm trying to say is that it comes to a point where you are going to fail. Mm -hmm. And I believe that if you own it, if you accept it, if you you go to the worst case scenario, okay, this is the worst case scenario. I can face it. I don't know how I'm going to solve it, but you know what? I'm, I'm ready. Bring it on. That's when you start to turn the tide around. And that is going to happen more than once. In my career, it happened many, 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 many times that you get to that point. But after you face that point over and over and over and over and over, it comes to a point where, you know what? You don't care anymore. You know it's coming. You see it. Say, okay, no problem. I can do this and this and this. I'm going to handle it that and that way. You're not afraid of it anymore. And when you come to that, your clients sense it. And now that's when you become to do well. So the answer to the question is don't avoid it confront it even if it's super painful the more times you vanquish it the surest you are on your way to success yeah well said and uh, i i imagine that anybody listening right now can think of multiple examples where they were back against the wall i need this deal i need this gig i need this thing to close and how do you behave in those moments how do you handle yourself and how do you feel afterwards, regardless of the outcome? Yep. Uh, and uh, you know, I've I've been in a few situations like that. Uh, with you know, my real estate career was very short and painful. Uh, as an as an agent, it was two thousand eight, and you know, I I'm not one to blame outside forces, but you know, it was really hard to sell and buy houses in two thousand eight, and uh, you know, I had this guy that was just a super bear. And he was like yelling at me and I was just like, you know, and he wanted his discounted commission. And I was just like, man, I just need this thing to close so that I can pay some rent. The exact same situation, you know, but there comes a point where you're just like, look, man, I'm, I'm just not going to have you talk to me like that. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. You know, I'm fine being broke, <laughs> but I still got my self-respect. And so, yes. And, and so I'm curious, Alejandro, uh, growing up in Chile, and with a uh, a hung is it Hungarian name? Yes, my dad was Hungarian. Yes. Okay, so your dad is Hungarian. You grew up in Chile, uh, and you you mentioned that you've lived through a communist takeover. Yes. And hyperinflation, which is something that's happening or has been happening in the United States over the last twelve to eighteen months, uh, and you've lived through that already. You've already seen 
how it infects people and the aftermath of that. Can you give some perspective? Take us back to Chile during yes. all of this kind of turmoil and and extract, help us extract some lessons uh, from then about what we may be dealing with now. Yes, I'm going to tell you that what we're dealing right now is nothing compared to what I've witnessed in Chile. In Chile, I'm talking about a rate of inflation of 20% per month. I'm not talking about a, everybody getting uh, upset because we're 9 or 10% inflation, 20% a month. And that's not the worst. In the communist regime, we achieve, I believe, like 500% a month even. That's not even the hyperinflation that people talk about in Germany in the 1920s and the 30s. That was even worse. But this is what happened. What happens is, you know, besides being a mortgage broker, by the way, I have studied the, 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 um, the actual science of, of, of economics for many years. And this is something that I've come to realize. You know, when you look at a balance, uh, when you look like, like, like a, at a balance sheet or, 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 or a ledger or any kind of accounting, you always see credit and debit. This credit and debit thing is like the two sides of one indivisible coin. You have income and expense, credit and debit, borrower, lender. Those two things are indivisible. You only run into trouble from an individual's perspective or from a country's or society's perspective when you try to divorce them. I'll give you a quick example. You are on your own. You need money. What is the solution? I'm going to go and get a loan. And you get the loan. But when you get the loan, you're not thinking how I'm going to pay it. Because in your mind is, I need money. Therefore, I'm going to go and get it. You're trying to divide, in this case, expense or borrowing from income. And of course, you're going to run into a problem. And this is what happened in Chile. The socialist government in Chile, by the way, and this is not just, a, this is not peculiar to Chile. Anywhere that this has happened, and this has happened all over the world, it's never happened in the US yet. That's why people here cannot understand. So even people hearing to this podcast, they may be able to understand my words, but they may not really see in full potential what this means. And, and I'm not, and I'm not blaming you listening to this if that is the case, because I couldn't, if I hadn't lived it through myself, I couldn't understand that either. But mm. the socialist governments and the, and the hallmark of the communist of the so or the socialist governments is they try to divorce income from expenses, borrowing from lending, credit from debits. So they believe that they can spend without regards to income. And that's what happened in Chile. So when the resources are done, the country or the government starts to just buy things. And this is what happened in Chile. In Chile in the 1970s, we were sort of okay. By 1973, we were so much in ruin that the country could not afford to buy absolutely anything. And this is what happens. Prices start to creep, to creep up. My house was right in front of a baker. And I didn't know this, but every morning I ate this delicious bread, you know, that I took for granted. But when the communism and the socialists began, now you would see a line of people forming up at six o'clock in the morning. By 9.30, when, we went, when somebody in my house wanted to go and buy bread, there was nothing left. There was nothing left because there was rationing. There was rationing because there were not enough materials. There were not enough supplies. There was not enough wheat. There was not enough wheat because the farmers that produced the wheat were so penalized and taxed that they had no incentive to produce anything anymore. And the ones that could produce 
have no incentive to sell it because by trying to manipulate the, the economy from the socialist point of view, meaning now uh, 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 with price controls, <clears throat> the farmer doesn't get any money if he sells his wheat. So he has no, no, I'm just taking the example of wheat, but just try to imagine this on any sector of the economy and for anything, clothes, food, gas. You know, my dad, my dad was lucky because my dad was a business owner. So he has some US dollars. So he went to the black market. Black market is when a group of people join together and decide to trade freely on goods and services. On a socialist or communist government, that is, that is, that is forbidden. You mm -hmm. can only go to the store. You can only buy foreign currency according to the exchange rate. And you're not allowed to meet with another individual. This might sound crazy from, from people listening to this, but this is what happens. You're not allowed to trade freely on a product or a service. So people do it underhandedly. Mm. That's why they want to get rid of cash. That's why they want to come, to come in with the digital currency, because with the digital currency, they have total control. The answer from the socialist perspective is always to try to force you to do it on the belief that if everyone was forced to do it this way, then it would work. That is their mentality. But right. fortunately, in the 1970s... How many times has that actually proven true, though? I mean, it's it's almost like we already know how this ends, uh, kind of. So, like, how many times do we have to repeat history before we really learn that lesson? You know, this is a very interesting fact now that you mentioned that. I'm a history buff, especially on economics. In the last 5,000 years, this has never happened. It's a never, it has never worked. It has <laughs> never worked that you can force everyone to do something, quote unquote, for the benefit, quote unquote, of everyone else. That has never worked. Yeah. So to make a long story short, things start to disappear from the shelves. You have to queue up in the morning just to get a little bit of something that is bad quality. You have to pay two or three times the cost, but there is not enough for anyone. There is like, 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 like scarcity. You have a dual phenomenon where everything is expensive and there is not enough for everyone. Mm. And that's, continues to escalate and escalate and escalate and people go down the streets they start to protest you know and then and then the and then whoever is, is in power has to has to repress that in some fashion or another so it just gets worse and worse and worse until eventually the people in power get either killed or they have to run away that by the way has happened always, always. it always impresses me always impresses me people in you know um, uh, college boards, you know, like they, they call it in, in schools, how they call it, the, the board of, um, they have a name, the people that control sure. the schools. Okay. Uh, it always yeah, surprises board of directors me. or something. Yeah, the, the board, the board of supervisors of the county, the, the people that, because this is not just at the level of the president, this is at every level. This is at the level of, of the, of your neighborhood, of, of, of your, of your, of your, of your municipality, of your mm. school board, of the county supervisors. This is at the level this is at any kind of government level that has to do with people. How come nobody has ever cracked a history book, even, even for half a second, and seen how this, how this ends? It always <laughs> amazes me. I mean, if, if you're in a government position, whatever that be, at the local city or county level, and you don't care about anyone, you just care about yourself, okay, fine. But how can you, do, you don't crack a history book and you know that that's <laughs> not gonna work? If you just care about yourself, work? 
Don't you want to preserve your life? You just care about yourself and only about your own very skin. How come you don't go, you know what? I got a good run. I got my bags full. It's time to go. <laughs> I, I love how you said it has never worked in 5,000 years. And so there's a lot of precedent for it. And if you really do just care about yourself, yeah, you get a full bag. I think I'm just going to exit out the back. <laughs> yeah. You know, in Mexico, you know, because you and I speak Spanish, I've been in Mexico many times. In Mexico, there was an actual candidate for, the, for, for, being, for, for, be, for being governor of small state. Mm-hmm. And you know what was his motto? You know what he said on TV? What was it? I only steal a little. <laughs> that was his campaign slogan. I only steal a little. A little. And he was becoming popular. I don't know if he ended up winning or not. Yeah. But that's that's what he was telling people, and people liked him. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, at least he only stole a little. I mean, you know, you got to know your place. And so yes. uh, that's that's fascinating, Alejandro. I appreciate you sharing that with me. And and, and I'm just curious for for those of us who maybe have not experienced a communist takeover or we've never been to South America. Uh, you know, I've been to multiple countries in South America, including Chile. Uh, it's, it doesn't seem to be that bad anymore. Um, but what is the thing that, you know, if you were to take away one to two major lessons of, of how, how do we apply what you went through and what, what happened in Chile to make sure that we're strong and we're in good shape now. Obviously, that's not happening in the United States exactly. But but how do we extract at least one or two lessons from that to where we can say, all right, I'm going to learn. I'm going to crack open a history book and I'm going to make sure we don't end up there. What are something that somebody can do right now to reinforce and protect themselves from whatever may be coming? Two things. Number one, if you want to change, start with yourself. Again, his, uh, business books say that all the time, but it's so true. You'd want to talk about security because, you know, we have a mortgage office and I always tell people, I'm not going to tell you about security. I want you to go to Staples and buy a shredder. If you're not able to go to Staples, pay 20 bucks, buy a shredder and start shredding documents, I'm wasting my time with you because you don't know about security. If you want change, you have to be the change because we are society. We are the town. We are the neighborhood. If you don't start with yourself, anything else you may want to do it's just a waste of time. You might, just, you might just as well sit down and watch TV. So I would say, whatever you want to do, test it on yourself first, number one. Number well two, said. income and expenses, they are together. Don't try to divide them up. So if you find your niche, whatever the niche may be, we, we are all good for something. It's impossible that there is no something that people want that you can do. Yes, it may take a while to find it. It took me a long time to find it. Find it. If you have already found it and you're already making a little bit of money, this is one lesson that my dad uh, told me. He was a very good entrepreneur. He was a a, a very wealthy man. One day I said to him, wow, uh, there is a lot of money here. There is a lot of currency. What are you going to do with it? And he says, currency is the worst form of wealth that you can have. As soon as you have it, spend it on something. And I said, why? Because he said, the currency is worth nothing. You wait a year, it's worth less. You wait two years, it's worth even less. And in an economic environment where you have like, 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 like a socialist takeover, that's the very one thing that everybody's after. Mm-hmm. So if you have, if you're doing relatively well or you're going to do well and you have like a windfall, take that currency and put it on something. 
put it on something. Usually, you know, I read another article from this guy that <clears throat> made a research of the main families on earth, the families that were rich a thousand years ago and they're still rich today. What did they do? And he, only, and he found that those people did only three things. They invested in real estate, they invested in art, and they invested in gold. That's how they kept rich for a thousand years. So awesome. I would say to the degree that you can, you know, you can say, well, I don't have that much money. How can I? Well, you can buy a silver coin for 30 bucks. If you are in 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 the in the state of, of uh in your in the state of uh of, of California, if you buy fifteen hundred dollars or more worth of silver or gold, it's tax exempt. You know, you don't have to pay sales tax on that. So if you can make it to $1,500, buy some silver, buy some gold. If you can make it to $1,500, buy at least one gold coin. It's 30 bucks. Anybody can do that. If you are in Florida, where you can buy a house for $200,000, hey, you can get an FHA loan. You only need like six, dollars $7,000 to make it work. Save some money, get yourself a home. If you get a windfall, you know, a lot of my customers buy because they get a windfall and this is very interesting i don't say anything to them they say to me there was a young girl that wanted to buy a home and i said why why do you want to buy a home you're successful you're young you know you can pay rent he said because i got a windfall you know she she's been in a car she had been in a car accident and she got all this money and now she only have half of that and she said at this rate in a few months it's going to be nothing so i want to do something with it and i want to buy a house i want to use it for a down payment for a house and I thought that was extremely smart. So to answer your question, if you can buy a property, well, it's not the right time, it's the rate, it's the this, it's the that, the rate doesn't matter. Hmm. When I started in this business, rates were at 7.5%. And before me, they were at 10 and 12%. Mm -hmm. you know? and, rates, and rates are coming back to that level or more. So if you can, if you have enough savings or down payment, buy a house. If you can't, your cash flow is limited, buy some silver. Yeah. $30 awesome. at a time. And there is another thing that we don't have time to go into that. It's a well-structured um, mutual cash dividend paying whole life insurance. But that's a whole different chapter. And we don't have time right now for that. Certainly. Well, let's uh, let's dig into this. You're certainly an interesting person and you've been through some interesting experience. Uh, let's do a little do zone diagnostic. Are you ready? Yes. So Alejandro, what is one thing you do that keeps you focused on your goals? Every day I make a plan of everything I have to do. I just take from that plan the things that are essential and the rest I try to give it to other people. And, and how do you get back on track when you lose that focus? Fortunately, because I spent so much on self-improvement over the years, that doesn't happen to me anymore. Nice. And we and, can go into that, but I know we don't have time to go into uh, that, but I did a lot of self-improvement that allowed me to remain in focus. I love that. And uh, speaking of, so who is your support group and how do they keep you accountable? Um, by reminding me, <laughs> by reminding me when I'm slacking off. <laughs> and then saying, Alejandro, you said that you were going to do that and you didn't. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so how do you approach a difficult project that you're not really sure how to complete? I break it into parts. Every time that you have something complex, break it into small parts and then break it down to the point where the part becomes doable and then prioritize it. 
It's sometimes it's difficult, especially when it's really affecting you. But that's the key. Break it into compartments that you can handle and do it one at a time. Nice. And uh, last question here. What's the number one pro tip that you would give to somebody looking to get more stuff done in less time? Visualize the end result clearly in your mind of what you want and then write it down on a piece of paper. Awesome. I love that. And so talk to me a little bit. Uh, you know, you've got a, you got a fascinating story. I know you have a book that's coming out soon. Yes. And you have specifically focused in on uh, helping artists and entrepreneurs and self-employed professionals with mortgages. So, so tell me about this book and how does it tie into your career? A lot of, a lot of fascinating things there. Because I come from an, a, 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 a background of, of reading and university and all that, I've read a lot of theories about this stuff, about the economy, about, about money. They all fall in either into two, into two categories. One, buy this book because if you buy it, you're going to be rich. You know, or Some version of that. Some are very blatant about that. Some are not, but that's one category. Another category is this is the academic study of how the thing was. Usually that is full of false information. And if when you read it, it takes a long time to read it. You end up with a big headache and there is nothing you can do with it. So if I had to choose between, if I had to choose between the two camps, I would go with the how to get rich quick scheme because some of them may jive with your personality and your particular abilities and you may put it into practice and you may get something out of that. The other one just throw it away. But there is nothing in the middle. If I was young again and I didn't know anything, I would like somebody to tell me what is this stuff, how does it work, and what should I do? So when I'm, let's say I'm like 15 or whatever. So when I'm 20 or 25, I have something going on and then I can get married and I can, and I can begin my career. I wish I could have had that. Not that my dad didn't try, you know, but I didn't listen to him. But there is nothing that tells young people in simple terms without all this academic jargon, really complicated academic jargon, which is really the theories of some dead guy that tells you really how the stuff works. So that's what's the book. The book is about money. What is money? How do you get it? And how do you can, how you can become prosperous on any economy? Nice. Even if it's a socialist economy, I mean, you're going to have more challenges, <laughs> but you can still, you know, the, I know that we don't have enough time, but let me just say <laughs> okay. one this. Yes, there please. is one book written by James Clavell. James Clavell was a was an amazing author. He wrote Shogun. They used to have a TV series back then about mm -hmm. Shogun and many, many other books. He wrote a book called King Rat. That is his experience when he was interned in a Japanese concentration camp. And he writes the book of how a guy in the Japanese concentration camp became quote unquote wealthy. He became the entrepreneur of the camp selling to the guards, selling to the other prisoners, even buy, buying some, 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 some privileges like getting out on a certain day and going outside and coming back, you know? Mm. It's very interesting because then you see the free market at work. Mm. And one more thing, you always hear this word, oh, we're capitalists, being capitalist is bad, blah, blah, blah. The word capitalist and the reference to a capitalist economy was a term invented by Karl Max. And of course, he didn't like the free enterprise system. That's the real name, the free enterprise system. And that's why he attacked it. 
And that's why he invented a word that we all use today, which is the wrong word. It describes <laughs> the wrong thing, and it has nothing to do with the free market economy. So I don't know if I answered your question, but that's, that's what the book is. The book is, <laughs> in very simple terms, what's money? How can you get more of it? And why? How does it really work? Yeah. And it's not academic, and it's not a rich, a, a rich quick, get rich quick thing it's, either. It's right down the middle. Right down the middle. I love it. And so it's it's fascinating how we we adapt certain terms and we just take things for granted. And so I, I love how you describe this of you know the theories of some dead guy or some get rich quick screen, uh, scheme, but there's no just kind of fundamentals. Here's the step-by-steps on how you do things. It's not quick and it's not necessarily academic, but it's some kind of balance of the two right down the middle. Yeah, yeah. And I would invite listeners to read your bio on your website because believe it or not, your bio is, I would say, the footprint of how, on how to be successful. The experiences, you went through experiences, you had to go through a mentor, then you have to, for years, you have to do a certain thing. And then through doing, you discover the next, the next like step up, which you did for years, you know, and that is how it really works. Really is. And somebody's going to go, well, what about my friend? You know, he bought some Bitcoins and now he's a millionaire. Hey, yeah. I know people that went to Vegas and won. I'm not saying that it <laughs> cannot be done, but if you are looking for a sustainable way of getting any play anywhere, read your bio. That's what I would invite listeners to do. It's not long. It's to the point. Right. It's actually very entertaining. I think read, I think you might be the Josh's first person bio. to actually read my bio. Yeah, yes. I'm honored. <laughs> That's great. So the book is called What is Money? Uh, where where can somebody get a hold of it as soon as it comes out? Um, you can subscribe. You you can you can you can uh, you can be part of the of the members list, and then whenever it comes out, you you know we'll we'll send it to you. Send me an email at info at prosperitylending.us, prosperity like something prosperous, and then the word lending, all together, dot .us. At the end, okay. info at prosperitylending.us, and I'll put you on the waiting list. We, we have a waiting list, and then when it comes out, we'll send it to everyone. Excellent. Well, gosh, I really appreciate you being on here. Alejandro Sita, thank you very much for coming on and sharing some wisdom about how you get stuff done and the trials and tribulations of a communist takeover and, and how to apply that um, in your current business. And you got a book coming out for those of you who are interested. The book is called What is Money? Uh, if you want to get on the waiting list for that, you can email Alejandro directly, info at prosperitylending.us. Once again, if you want to keep hearing great content like this, be sure to follow and subscribe on Apple and or Spotify. And remember, if you run a small business and you could use a significant boost in productivity this year for less than it costs to take your team out to lunch, we got your back. Visit unbreakableteams.com to learn more. Until next time, remember, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. What are you going to do with yours? Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe on Apple or Spotify. Share this episode with a friend. Screenshot it and add it to your Instagram stories. Smoke signals, carrier pigeons, whatever works best for you. If you're looking to crush your goals this year and level up your team, we're here to help. To learn more about how our scientifically backed process can increase your company's productivity by up to 300%, head over to unbreakableteams.com. That's unbreakableteams.com.